you, Krista, tonight, and Sylvia with that prayer, you made me want to preach uh, instead of teach. So I'm going to just try to keep it together uh, and just kind of go through with what the Lord has for us tonight. So, you know, how do we really jump into so much of where Deuteronomy takes us? Um, obviously, we've we've been looking at it the, the last couple of weeks uh, and before that in numbers, uh, but this this book uh, presents so much, and I know this past week's uh, readings just had us in, in chapters 26 through 34, the end of Deuteronomy, and then into Joshua 1 through 12, uh, but there's so much that goes on in Deuteronomy that you can't just look forward, you have to look back. Uh, and so, look, we understand the Apostle Paul, the New Testament says, I forget those things that are behind, uh, and I press forward to the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. Uh, but but, but I don't think he necessarily meant uh, we never look back uh, and see what God has done. Uh, there are certain things in our lives before Christ that we don't uh, dwell on, we don't hold on to, uh, and we are pressing forward uh, to what Jesus has for us. Uh, but at the same time, Deuteronomy gives us this message that we have to remember what God has done. Uh, and we're going to talk what uh, what remembering does in terms of uh, the, the significance, I should say, spiritually, of why uh, the writer of Deuteronomy, uh, who I certainly believe is Moses, I know there are other scholars out there who say, well, maybe Moses wasn't the author of Deuteronomy. Uh, my position is that he is. So we'll we'll definitely have that backdrop tonight, that that's, that's the position that we're coming from. Uh, but there is this constant call to remember these great things that God has done. Uh, and so um, I'm going to try to take bits and pieces, uh, not just from chapters um, 26 through 34, but really the whole book of Deuteronomy uh, and, and a portion of Numbers tonight as well, uh, which is what I was supposed to teach a few weeks ago. Um, but it just so happened that uh, the way uh, the passages unfold in Deuteronomy uh, three or four times, uh, Moses refers back to a certain incident uh, in Numbers uh, that I was going to talk about. So uh, I get a chance to revisit that tonight, uh, and I'm looking forward to sharing that, that portion with you. Uh, but, but just as a, a few general points we want to make, uh, obviously Deuteronomy ends the Torah, the law portion of the scripture, the first five books, uh, the Pentateuch, the books of Moses. Uh, and uh, it is really, once we get to De Deuteronomy, it's a continuing revelation of who God is from the time he called Abram in Genesis chapter 12. It's like God is just showing who he is over and over and over again. I know we have a tendency to focus on the children of Israel uh, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We, we get all that, but really we always have to remember that the Bible is the book containing the revelation of God to men and women. And so uh, God is really uh, the central person, the central focus of these first five books. There are so many verses and passages uh, in Deuteronomy that jump out at me. Uh, and so I just wanted to go through a few of them before we get into uh, what I think should be the meat of what we want to talk about tonight. Uh, and then uh, near the end, we're going to have several reflection questions that hopefully you all will jump in and participate uh, and and share 
your your hearts and and some of your own personal experiences. Uh, so uh, hopefully we can also have uh, a spirit of transparency tonight. The Ten Commandments, obviously uh, Deuteronomy five seven through twenty one, uh, we're seeing uh, the the rearticulation, the restatement of the law, uh, Deuteronomy the second giving of the law. Uh, and so God gives the 10 commandments again. And uh, it is, it is this, this pattern uh, of Deuteronomy and it starts with the 10 commandments themselves, the Decalogue that uh, we focus first on our relationship with God and then also on our relationship with each other. Uh, it's that, that same thing in the new Testament where, you know, the, the entire, uh, commandments uh, are really whittled down into two, to loving the Lord um, and then loving our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, so it's a restatement of uh, the Ten Commandments. Uh, also, when we go to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, we have the Shema, the Shema uh, in Hebrew, and that's the passage where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, so that is the quintessential statement of Judaism, uh, and therefore it's the quintessential statement of Christianity. Uh, and so uh, we we know that we can have uh, Judaism without Christianity, but you can't have Christianity without Judaism. And so uh, at the end of the day, uh, it seems as though Christianity is simply full-blown Judaism, is how I like to put it. Uh, and so uh, this, this statement in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, uh, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, there, there is a, a a plurality yet a singleness of who God is. Uh, we we usually explain that in terms of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so even though uh, they are three, they are also one. Uh, and that's that's a bit of a sidebar uh, tonight that I wanted to talk about because, and I'm not sure if this is just for someone else. Uh, I know it's for me, uh, and I'm still working on it. Uh, but but recently, in the last, I'd say two weeks in particular, the Lord has really been speaking to me through numbers, not the Book of Numbers, but actual numbers. Uh, I've had this happen in seasons uh, in the past, but recently it's been happening with such uh, frequency that I can't ignore it. Uh, and so I just wanted to share a bit of that. And that's simply that the numbers that I'm seeing are all the same number, not the same number, like it's not one um, all the time, but it's it's multiple state restatements of the same number. So I'll see something that says 111 uh, or 2222 uh, or 888, everything. And sometimes it's on license plates, uh, it has often been when I look at the clock, I've been looking at the clock at 1111, at 222, at 444. It's just amazing how much this has been happening lately. And so I've been seeking the Lord, trying to understand exactly what that meant. Uh, and then last week when we were on vacation, uh, when we got our room assignment, uh, our room was 3033. It was, you know, three threes. Uh, in a, in the room number, I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? Uh, and and it's somewhat related to um, this statement uh, of the Shema in Deuteronomy, uh, because it's all it, it's talking about essentially compound unity, that that there's unity that's that's required, uh, but but it's also compound unity. And so I, I believe the Lord is calling us in this hour to a place of unity uh, in the church. We know, and, and 
I think you were really alluding to it again earlier in your opening, Krista, uh, what is going on inside of Israel. Um, it's not dissimilar from America in that um, so many of our enemies uh, don't really have to go on the attack necessarily right now because we are attacking ourselves. There's such disunity, uh, but but the important thing is not to look at just these political um, things about disunity, but what is going on in the church. And so uh, let's be unified in the spirit in the church uh, and, and understand the the times, what is happening uh, and, and what the Lord is calling us to. The Lord is calling us to a season, an hour of persistent and intense prayer. And I believe the Lord is calling for unity unity that is compounded uh, in the West, in the East, in the North, in the South, across the globe, the Lord is looking for unity. It's what Jesus prayed for, that that his belief, his followers would be one, even as he and the Father are one. So uh, that was just a little parenthetical uh, that I believe the Lord is really calling us to in terms of unity in the body. Um, Deuteronomy 8.3, this was the bread for the journey reference. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I mean, have you ever had a time in your life where literally you're just proceeding based on a word, just one word that God has given you? And so we're going to reflect on that a little bit later, too. Uh, now, this is not one of my favorite ones in terms of a way of living, uh, but it is uh, something that is noteworthy, Deuteronomy 19.21, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, uh, all that stuff. Uh, we, we remember those, those words. Uh, Deuteronomy 21.23, anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. Anyone hanging on a tree is under God's curse. So, of course, we can uh, look at uh, Jesus on the cross uh, about uh, um, that that verse, I should say, somewhat of an allusion to uh, Jesus on the cross uh, becoming the curse of sin for us, um, that, that we could then be righteous before God. Um, Deuteronomy 25, 4, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Um I know preachers like to use that verse often, um, and it, it, it's very significant. Uh, you know, when when the when the laborer, when the servant of God is is working, uh, that they not be muzzled in in some kind of way. Uh, and so, uh, let's remember that uh, when when people let's say, you know, people that are called on to, to preach in certain areas or, or to speak in some way. Uh, and there is a tendency to make sure that they stick to a script uh, of a program. And I get that organizational wise, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we need to be led by the spirit of God uh, and not be muzzled uh, by what people want to hear or want us to talk about. Uh, and Deuteronomy 30, 19, Moses says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today, as I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. And it seems like life is really always about those simple choices, right? The choices that we have to make, choices that really come down to life and death. And he's imploring the people to choose life. Uh, and then finally, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 46, and 47, 
Moses says, take to heart all these words of this law, for they are not idle words to you, but they are your life. Wow. We're not just reading words in a book that are idle words. The words of the Bible are life itself. And so uh, we're also going to reflect on that a little bit later as well. So let's jump into um, our scripture where I think we can use this short passage in Deuteronomy 29 uh, to kind of set the stage for really covering a whole lot that has happened prior to this point in Deuteronomy and then concluding it as we move into uh, the book of Joshua. Uh, so Deuteronomy 29, I'm going to read this uh, portion uh, and then jump into some points we were interested in making tonight. But Deuteronomy 29, I'll start at verse 2, and I'll go through verse number 9. Deuteronomy 29, starting at 2, uh, I'm reading from my Schofield Study Bible translation. Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, you have seen with your own eyes everything the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to his entire land. You saw with your own eyes the great trials and those great signs and wonders. Yet to this day the Lord has not given you a mind to understand, eyes to see, or ears to hear. I led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes and the sandals on your feet did not wear out. You did not eat bread or drink wine so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. When you reach this place, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us in battle, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Therefore, observe the words of this covenant and follow them, so that you will succeed in everything you do. Amen. So uh, this is the word of God this evening. And so uh, we're going to use that uh, to kind of set the stage uh, for everything else we want to talk about tonight. Um, so there is um, in Deuteronomy, this pattern that seems to emerge where Moses keeps saying, remember Remember what God has done for you to get you to this place where we are. Remember what God did and how he got you there. And uh, so, so as, as he has us remember, obviously everything really goes back to uh, the Passover night in Exodus and uh, the Lord leading them out of bondage in Egypt after 400 years. And uh, they 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 come out of bondage. They go through the Red Sea, and uh, obviously they are then in the wilderness uh, all this time, trying to get to the land of promise. And uh, Moses in in Deuteronomy keeps saying to them, "Remember, remember, remember what God did. Remember what God did uh, to get you here." Now, interestingly, in this little passage that we just read, Deuteronomy twenty nine two through nine. Moses refers back to uh, something that we saw occur in the book of Numbers in chapter 21. He refers to the defeat of King Sihon and King Og. 
And um, I want to go back to numbers uh, a little bit and talk about that story um, as it has been inserted into this chapter of Deuteronomy. So Numbers 21, you remember uh, God uh, and, and, and is using Moses and Aaron to lead the children uh, through the wilderness. They're wandering, they're meandering. Um, they're not really, you know, to meander means to wander aimlessly. Yes, they know that there's a promised land, but they're wandering aimlessly. They're meandering through uh, the wilderness, not always headed directly towards the promised land. They're kind of either going in circles or going round and round, not getting to the destination. And so um, they, they're, they're going from um, unknown place to unknown place, wandering in the, in the wilderness. And so uh, because they've been wandering for so long, uh, it says that they get discouraged on the way. And as they get tired and as they get discouraged, they start to speak against God and to speak against Moses. And so the Bible says that God hears it and God is not happy about it. And so he sends these fiery serpents that bite the people and many of the people who are bitten by the serpents die. So they then uh, begin to cry out and they say to Moses, please, please go talk to God and tell him to take away these fiery serpents from us. And so God says to Moses, hey, here's what you're going to do. Go and make uh, an image of a snake and put it on a pole. And when anyone who's been bitten by a snake looks up at the image of the snake on the pole, they will recover and they will not die. So we know that that is simply a picture of Jesus on the cross, right? It is, it is, it is a reminder of what Jesus did. The gospel is right here in Numbers 21. So the, the serpent, uh, the snake, Satan, has bitten all of humankind with sin. Obviously, every single person uh, ever born other than Jesus has sinned. And so it's a reminder of, of what uh, the serpent did back in the garden. But there's hope. There's hope because when we look to Jesus, then we live. I know this does, might, not, might not sound very profound, uh, but, but I, I love seeing the gospel in the Old Testament. And so we know that that is what this picture is here. And remember, we just read, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Well, uh, as, as the, the snake on the pole is uh, a symbol of Jesus becoming our sin, and he did it on that wooden cross, that tree. Uh, so he was taking the curse that was placed upon humankind for sin as a result of what the serpent did to humanity. But again, the hope is in Jesus. And so when we look to Jesus for atonement, for healing, then we live because of what he has done for us. So in Numbers 21, we see this, this image of the cross and what Jesus did. But it's interesting because after the Israelites have that experience, they really no longer wander. 
if you look at uh, Numbers 21, starting um, at, let's say, at verse 10, so after the the bronze snake issue, uh, it says the Israelites set out and camped at Oboth. They set out from Oboth and camped at Ibarim in the wilderness that borders Moab on the east. From there, they went and camped at Zered Valley. They set out from there and camped on the other side of the Arnon River in the wilderness that extends from the Amorite border because the Arnon was the Moabite border. The point is, after the cross, we find our way. So no longer are the Israelites wandering around in circles in the wilderness. They are now headed to the promised land with a distinct set of camping sites. And that is the message for us to always remember that Jesus is always the way. He's always the way. If we don't know our way to our destination, if we don't even know what the destination is, we don't know whether to go left or right, Jesus is always the way. Jesus is always the way. And quite frankly, he is the only way. Uh, remember, they were wandering and wandering and wandering, but not until this point in the story do we see them find clear direction to the promised land. So for anyone tonight that's struggling with, you know, a decision and trying to understand, um, you know, what you are supposed to do or how you're supposed to do it, just remember tonight that Jesus is still your way. He is the way through. So look at what happens next. It says uh, that that after that, they go to this place called Beer, and there, there was a well that the Lord had told Moses about. And he said to them, verse 16, gather the people so I may give them water. Water, of course, is uh, the symbol for, one of the symbols, I should say, for the Holy Spirit. And so after the cross, after atonement, where they uh, looked at the, at the snake on the pole, the picture of Jesus, after that, they come to this place where there is water. That is the next process in our salvation experience. We come to salvation through Jesus and his finished work on the cross, and then we receive a filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what this is saying. It's going from the cross to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, they, they, they come to this well, uh, and, and they are receiving the equivalent of what we would say, uh, or I should say symbolically receiving the presence of Holy Spirit. Then it says, Israel, the children of Israel, sang this song, spring up well, sing to it. The princes dug the well, the nobles of the people hollowed it out with a scepter and with their staffs. So they sing this song. That, I think, is uh, another reference to this process that we as believers experience, which is as we receive the presence and filling of the Holy Spirit, we receive the joy that comes with the Spirit. So they have gone from a place of uh, bitterness and anger and resentment 
and and hopelessness to seeing this 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 image really of Jesus on the cross being the source of them uh, remaining alive to a place where now they receive a filling of water, symbolically referencing the Holy Spirit, and they start singing this song, uh, this joy. You know, I think David said, we're restoring to me the joy of my salvation. And I think that uh, we as believers can get so caught up in uh, either ministry or working for the Lord or doing these things that we feel like uh, are required uh, that we go day by day and eventually start losing the joy, the first joy that we've really had um, when we consider our salvation from the beginning. Now, I, I know the time that I gave my life to the Lord, but uh, later on in life, uh, I, I think the intimacy with him was growing. And I just remember so many times I could just be simply riding in my car and and feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit and just begin weeping. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just amazing how when he touches you and begins to fill you, what joy that really brings uh, to, to our soul. And so um, just another reminder for, for us as we continue along on our journey, uh, perhaps we've reached this place of dryness uh, where we've been walking with the Lord for some time, but uh, have have not uh, really felt that joy in a while. Uh, these passages kind of help us remember the importance of holding on to the joy that we experience by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives after Jesus has saved us. And so after that, we see what also happens in our lives sometimes. It says uh, that after uh, they're at this well, they're singing this song, uh, they're in the wilderness, they go to this place called Matana, from there to Nahaliel, from there to Bamoth. Uh, and again, we see them going from specific place to specific place uh, because remember Jesus is the way. But then it says, Israel sent messengers, in verse 21 of Numbers 21, Israel sent messengers to say to Sihon, king of the Amorites, let us travel through your land. We won't go into the fields or vineyards. We won't drink any well water. We will travel the king's highway until we've traveled through your territory. But Sihon would not let Israel travel through his territory. Instead, he gathered his whole army and went out to confront Israel in the wilderness. Okay, so remember, we're talking about the, the process that we as believers go through. Uh, we, we, we find salvation in Jesus. We then uh, are confronted with the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He fills us. We're full of joy. And then what happens? Often, after that time when we have experience intimate presence of Holy Spirit who brings us joy, the enemy still attacks, right? The enemy constantly tries to block our path. So we we experience salvation, we experience presence and filling of Holy Spirit, of Holy Spirit, and the enemy still tries to stand in our way. And it's a twofold thing the enemy does. It's it's an obstacle. They don't want. He doesn't want us to pass through to get to the promises that God has for us. Uh, but it's not just simply being an obstacle. He also attacks. 
and and think about you know they had been in the wilderness all this time they they're weak they've been um eating manna they've been getting water here and there but they're in this vulnerable place this vulnerable state even though they've walked closely with god they're in this vulnerable place and the enemy doesn't feel sorry for them at all you know there's one thing about the enemy that we face and that is he is consistently doing what he does those three things steal kill destroy that's always been his goal and it's what he continues to do and it doesn't matter that you come to salvation and that you've experienced the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter to him. He still wants to block you from getting to the place of promise that God has, and he doesn't just try to block it, he tries to attack. But the best news comes yet, because it says the Israelites defeat him, uh, and then uh, th this place of Heshbon, which is where uh, Sihon was was king. It says, "Come to Heshbon, and let it be rebuilt. Let the city of Sihon be restored. For fire came out of Heshbon, a flame from the sea of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the lords of Arnon's heights. Woe to you! You have been destroyed." So we go from the cross to presence and joy of Holy Spirit to attack by the enemy, to defeating the enemy with power of Holy Spirit. Because what I see here, when it says that you know a, a fire has come out of the city of Heshbon and destroyed it, what I see is our gift, our benefit of the power of Holy Spirit. So regardless of what the enemy does to try to block whatever it is the enemy tries to do to attack, the fire of Holy Spirit gives us power to defeat him. Hallelujah. I feel like a Pentecostal preacher tonight. The power of the Holy Spirit to defeat the enemy. So this, this passage in Numbers 21 really kind of takes us through our entire process of being a believer. It takes us from the cross to the presence of Holy Spirit, the joy of Holy Spirit, and walking in the power of Holy Spirit. And so uh, we, we, we can't just stop at the cross. Yes, that's enough for salvation, but we can't just stop there. Um, we want to make sure we experience everything that God has for us. So being filled with his presence and then being filled with his power. It's those, those, those aspects of the process of believing that can allow us to get to our place of promise. Hallelujah. So um, I, I loved that, that Moses refers the children of Israel back to this, uh, these incidents with uh, the king of Sion and the king of Og and showing us that that God still defeats our enemy. So even if we've been in a place of of, of wilderness, of of dryness, of 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 not really knowing where we're going, He gives us our direction and He helps us defeat the enemy. He's always with us, and that's what He kept reminding them in Deuteronomy. 
I was always with you and I brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand. I was always, always with you. He always fought the battle for them. And so uh, let's 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 be reminded again tonight that despite our battles, despite our challenges, that he is still with us. He's the God who saves us. Well, he's the God who delivers us. He's the God who saves us. And he's the God who gives us power to defeat the enemy in our lives. Amen. So Numbers 21 um, is what was referred to in Deuteronomy 29, 2 through 11, 2 through 9, I should say. Uh, and then after we we see this reference back to Numbers, we then hear Moses say, therefore, follow these laws of the covenant. So it's like the pattern is remember what God has done and therefore obey what he is saying in this second giving of the law. Now, I kept saying, well, how do you go from remembering to obedience, right? There's, there's, there's like an intermediary thing there. I think that it's so obvious that, that we can miss it. But I kind of put it like this when I was writing my notes. It's like remembering what God has done, these great things that he's done, in all those challenges of their lives, he was there. He was simply trying to get them to know him intimately. And I don't know about you, but once, once you know God intimately and experience him in a way, personally experience him, then it causes you simply to love him, right? Love is really that intermediary step that I'm talking about because when we remember what he's done for us, it causes us to love. And because we love, then we obey. It, it's unlikely that you're going to continue obeying someone you don't love you're, you're not going to follow someone you don't love. And so it's got to really be a work of the heart where you come to know him experientially. That, that, that word knowing, to know him, means to know him experientially. It's not just hearing what he did in Egypt, uh, say, for, for grandma or grandpa, but they had traveled through those wilderness years, and they had to experience him for themselves. So God was feeding them manna. He's bringing them water, um, you know, out of a rock. Pardon me. My, sorry, my, my, my son's phone is connected to this, apparently. Um, and so the step of love becomes the critical step. If we experience God for who he is and we know him intimately, 
then we will love him. If we don't love him, we're not going to obey him. It's not worth it. Hold on. I don't think he wants us to love him just out of fear. Excuse me. He wants us to love him and obey him as he reminds us of these things that he's done for us. And so if we love him, we'll obey him. And I think that's what, what Moses is saying over and over in Deuteronomy. Remember what God did for you. And if you remember, then you'll love him and therefore you'll obey him. And obviously he wants them to obey because in the obedience is the blessing. In the obedience is the blessing. Loving him leads to obeying him and he then will bless and continue to bless. And so I, I think as we consider this business of being a Christian and being a, a follower of Jesus, you know, we can't be so focused on rules and, you know, well, I, I followed this rule today, so I'm, I'm holier. He loves me more today. It's, it's not really about that, but the point is that place of obedience becomes much easier when we know we're in love with him. You don't want to disappoint someone you love, right? If you love someone, you don't want to disappoint them. And so we grieve God, we disappoint him when we fall short. But the stronger our love is for him, the more likely we are, I think, to be obedient uh, to him. He doesn't love us anymore, any less. Uh, we just don't want to disappoint him and grieve him. But as we um, think about our journey, our different paths, where we are, where we've been, I'm sure each of us can look back and see time and time again, great things God has done for us that should really rekindle our love, rekindle that spark, that joy that we have, that we had when we really had that intimate relationship with him. So this entire book, I say, has that pattern, remembering. So then we remember what it's like to experience him, as we remember what it's like to experience him, we love him. As we love him, we obey. And then he continues to bless. That seems to be the pattern. That's kind of what I would say is the refrain of Deuteronomy. Remember him so that you know him, love him, obey him, and he then blesses. So that's kind of like the overview, I think, of of, of what I was seeing in these scriptures this week and wanted to um, just kind of share with you. Uh, but now I'm, I'm hoping that uh, as we have some of those things in our minds, uh, I want to take this uh, now to a place where uh, you all can uh, hopefully take yourselves off mute here and there and, and share some things. Um, but this book is um, about these intimate experiences that God has with the children of Israel. And so um, I just wanted to uh, first, 
as far as our discussion points go, I wanted you to consider, recall a time when you came to know God by intimate experience in a way that you hadn't known him prior to that experience, or that you came to know him again in a fresh way. So think about a time in your life when um, you you came to know him in another way that you hadn't before, and it was it was an experiential knowledge that you came to know him. It was one of those moments, say, when uh, you can say to yourself, "Wow, I remember I remember my grandmother talking about that," or I remember my my uh, my my mom or my dad talking about that. I remember hearing my friend talk about this about how God God operates that way. But now I've experienced that myself. Wow. Um, that that personal experiential knowledge. So I don't know if anyone has uh, anything they can share uh, in that way. I'll I'll get it started as you all think about um, something if you might want to share. Uh, but I I remember uh, when when my grandmother, my uh, paternal grandmother, uh, passed away. Uh, it was it was difficult for me. I, I think it was. Um, I had lost um, a very close cousin uh, before that at some point, but but this, you know, my grandmother was special to me, uh, and I remember it really stuck with me for a while. And um, one day, it was months and months later, I remember walking into my living room, and um, I went over to my couch and I just got on my knees and. I really hadn't even been thinking about her necessarily that particular day, but when I got on my knees, I just simply said, and I remember saying it out loud, I was praying, I said to the Lord, thank you so much for the life of my grandmother. And when I said that, it was it was as if peace himself walked into the room that there was a a quietness a stillness of literal peace that invaded my living room that day and i remember when i got up from my knees in that prayer session i had been completely made whole from from the experience of that loss so I experienced him in a real way as a comforter and as peace, as Jehovah Shalom. Like I experienced him that day. Um, and, and, and so I, I, I share that with you to hopefully spawn some of your own memories or considerations if anyone wants to share. You know, can you remember a time where you really came to know him experientially for yourself in such a way um, that, that you want to share? Uh, well, Bernie, I'll share. And I can share when uh, I truly came to encounter him uh, as comforter and as love. Um, it was in um, November of 2003. Um, and my husband had uh, left, he had departed the home. And in doing so, I was at a point of brokenness and I had known 
of him and even had read that he was my comforter and how much God loved me, all of that. But I genuinely did not can truly say that at that point of brokenness, I remember I felt like my heart was going to just explode and I was going to die. And the comforter came and he comforted me and he poured out such love. And it wasn't like it was one day and boom, I'm healed, but consistently, consistently until he brought me to that place uh, where I was able to stand again, breathe again. And that's when he became my lover and my comforter. So I know that he loves me. And I know that he weeps when, when I wept and the pain and all of that. And the comfort was real because, you know, I would call my family and friends and they were so dear and precious, but, you know, they had jobs. They needed to go to work. So after a certain time, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, they needed to go to sleep. And he came and just comforted me through the night and all of my weeping and sobbing. And I remember one day when I finally woke up and, uh, and he was there getting me to remember that that night I didn't go to bed with excruciating pain and I didn't cry myself to sleep. Amen. Wow, that's awesome. Go ahead. You guys see Chantel's hand up. Hi, Pastor Bernie. I wanted to share, um, there are many times in my life that I've experienced Jesus in different ways. And I, there's so many ways that stand out, but just growing and walking with him. But one time uh, that I experienced him as my defender, and it was a tangible, and I watched him literally stand between me and an adversary. Uh, I'll never forget. I um, was working inside a studio and the studio owner was abusive and I was abused mentally, verbally, and all of my business was stolen um, and I did nothing wrong. But I prayed for the man and cried for the man and asked Jesus, why is he doing this to me? I, I did nothing wrong. You see this, but I was faithful. I continued to go into the studio because I did it for my clients. I do makeup for national TV. Um, and I wanted to go because I knew that that was my ministry and I didn't want him to scare me off, but I had had enough and I was sitting in the car and I knew my client was going to be there, a client that I prayed for, and I didn't want to not show up. And I was crying so hard for the first time over the abuse. And it was the end of the two years. And I said, Jesus, I don't want to go. I don't want to go in there anymore. I'm silent in front of my abuser and I can't do it anymore. What do I do? And Jesus said, go, I will be with you. Go. And I said, okay, I know you'll be with me. Please fight for me. So the abuser did the normal games that he did. 
And I stood outside and, you know, he would lock me out. But this tall gentleman came to the door and he let me in and he was a pastor. And he, I said, hi. And he said, hi, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I, I do makeup. Well, he sat with me and talked with me. And he said, do you, um, he was, he was trying to minister. And I said, Oh, I love Jesus with all of my heart. As a matter of fact, he just told me to come in. And uh, anyway, long story short, the pastor went back to his room and all of the sudden this chorus of beautiful voices, they were having choir practice. They started singing Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And that's what Jesus said, go, I will be with you. And I just started crying they were singing so loud. And then I go in, the client comes in and he is a very powerful man of the United States and he has no idea and he's standing behind me and out comes the abuser and the Holy Spirit put his hand on my back and he said, Chantel, ask him where the makeup room is. The abuser had moved the makeup room to embarrass me in front of the client. So I would look foolish in front of the client going to the usual makeup room. But the Holy Spirit told me that he moved it. And I stopped and I said, where is the makeup room? Well, the abuser that carried a gun to intimidate me ran. And that was the last time I ever saw him. He literally ran as if he saw an angel standing behind me. And that was Jesus as my defender. So I just wanted to share that. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. There are more questions. So if you want to jump in uh, later and, and share something on that, you can. Um, but the next thing uh, that I wanted to ask uh, is based on uh, the words from Deuteronomy 32, 46, and 47, that uh, these words are not idle words, but they are your life. Can you recall a time when the word of God, either a word, a verse, a passage, literally affected or changed your life that these are not just mere idle words that read read in, that we read in a book but these words are our very life can you recall a time where any verse word or passage of scripture either changed or profoundly affected your life we could, we could probably be here all night, I'm sure, sharing on on that. But uh, anyone want to tackle that one? Well, I, I will jump in on this one. Okay. So, um, and I won't get into the long story that it is, the testimony that brings me to the place where this particular word changed my life. But last week, we were speaking about a rhema word from the Lord, which is, you know, when we have a word that God's already spoken in his word, but it's different when he says it to you in your spirit or points something out to you. So it's a fresh word that God is showing you. And so I was in a time of repentance and, um, 
And I heard the Lord say to me, and of course it's a scripture, but it's different when God says it to you. And so this was in 2017, but I heard the Lord say to me, you can't serve both God and money. And I didn't know that I was. I really didn't know that I was. And that was truly my response, but I knew it was God because I was in a moment of repentance. I had just really come to the place where I'd realized I had begun. I'd always loved the Lord, but I had wandered and I had um, began serving myself, just living my life for pleasure and just enjoying the benefits of all the blessings from the Lord because they were blessings from the Lord. And, um, and in him saying that, I began to really ponder what does that mean? Because that forgot to point that out to me specifically, and I didn't realize it, I knew I needed to not just um, let that go. And so I just continued to ask the Lord, help me understand what, what I'm doing, what, what I need to do differently. And then about six months later, I was at a women's conference and the speaker, the, the theme of the conference was awakening. And so she asked everyone to ask the Lord um, right from the start and then begin to journal throughout your time. What is he awakening you from and what is he awakening you to? And um, I, like I said, it was about six months later. I wasn't really expecting to hear God speak to me again because um, you just never know when he is going to speak to us. But um, but in my intimate time with him, just in reading the Bible, I heard him say in a fatherly voice uh, to me in my spirit, whose kingdom are you building? And I just sat there. I was I was really shocked. I mean, I was really floored because I knew that had to be the Lord. And it went right in line with you can't serve both God and money. And so for me, it caused me to change my whole life. And so that was the testimony, I guess, in answer to your question that I, I had a 20, I had been in the mortgage business. I'd owned a mortgage company and been in that business for 20 years. And it was at that point that um, I didn't know what God was actually saying he wanted me to do, but I felt like I knew looking at my life that God had put me in a position that I didn't have to continue what I was doing. And clearly what, what I could see that he had given me was my time. So he was trying to get my attention in a way to say, um, I need you to do things for me, not for yourself. Um, and so it caused me to close my business. And I, I, and I don't say that in a bragging kind of way or pat me on the back in any way, because truly it's all God's grace in all of this. But I will tell you, it also caused me to have a, it really wasn't hard decision to make. Once I heard him the second time say, whose kingdom are you building? And I knew what I had heard the first time. I just, I had a fear of the Lord. I just thought, I don't know what's going to happen if I don't listen to this. So I was, you know, scared enough of my father to say, okay, well, here I am, Lord. <laughs> what's, what's next? So I just knew, and, and frankly, from there, that's the part of my testimony that I just think is so amazing is that I haven't for one day since I closed that business, because I'm a very type A person, um, always doing stuff and this and that. But I came home my first day after I'd closed the business, it took me several months to get it shut down. And I sat in my living room and I was like, all right, Lord, well, here I am. You know, and I just thought, well, what am I going to do? You know, and so I started reading the Bible and then he started infusing my thoughts with reminding me of things. And so anyway, 
it was just this path that legitimately from that very first day, I've never once sat around with nothing to do, just twiddling my thumbs. I've been on assignment after assignment from the Lord. From that, the Lord has put me uh, in ministry with you, Reverend Bernie, with Pastor Sylvia, with the connection for altar prayer, with Pastor Jed, like he has orchestrated it all. And so I'm just amazed, you know, he, he brings together and, and equips us because that's for me what I see. I, I believe that the Lord equipped me in business for what he wanted me to do in his kingdom. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that's sparking some some memories um, on this end. Thanks, Krista. Connie, go ahead. Yes. Good evening, everyone. Um, this um, whole reading um this these scriptures and remembering the things of God and and it took me back to back the things that he's done in my life is so many um but one particular thing when when you asked the question was um the one scripture that kind of put a bow on it for me in knowing who God is in my life and that one is when I read because I had many many questions as a new Christian like as many focused kids answer well who's God where did he come from what is this what is that but it wasn't until that day that I looked up read the scripture and read um uh, uh, Exodus three fourteen when he tells Moses that I am that I am and that for me when I heard that it changed my whole dynamic it's like I didn't need to know that anymore. I wasn't concerned about who came first, the chicken or the egg, any of that. I just knew he is who he say he is. I am that I am. And that has stuck with me for so long because I didn't I didn't question anything anymore. I just knew this was real, this was this this is who he is. And then I grew more and more into wanting to know more and more about him. And the more I um, learned about God, the more I knew and learned about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the more, the more and more and more I wanted to know and the more I was growing and maturing. And it brings me to where I'm at today. So I'm so thankful for just that. Just I am that I am. It was like, you don't have to explain anything else to me. <laughs> I believe what he says. I believe what he says, and I, I hold on to that. Whenever I have those moments of, ah, well, this, that's the things that come up, and I'm like, I am that I am. That's it. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Wow. Wow. So one of the things that I have done um, to memorialize or remember um, when God has spoken to me in a significant way um, we really see this in, I think, first Samuel, first, first or second Samuel. Um, but in any event, I, I thought about it reading Deuteronomy every time I kept, um, you know, reading Moses saying, remember, 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 remember what God did, remember what God said. Um, so when, uh, you know, my life is, is somewhat similar, uh, in, in terms of Christmas, in terms of the professional change and all that kind of stuff. And so I remember when the Lord uh, was leading me to leave practicing law uh, and, and go to ministry full time. Um, I remember um, the day he called me, uh, I was at work uh, and he spoke to me from Romans 10, 14 and 15. And so um, on this uh, little rock, this stone, 
I uh, wrote uh, Romans 14, 15. And so I keep it on my desk uh, as just a reminder of uh, when he spoke to me uh, and called me. Uh, and then uh, there were, I guess, fast forward uh, several years, actually, uh, when I was then trying to make a transition fully. I remember I was uh, in my little study and I was just calling out to the Lord um, because he had told me to leave all of that behind um, and he would provide. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm weeping. I'm trying to figure out, you know, is this something that he's that, that I'm doing on my own or, or am I really doing this? Lord, because you're telling me to do it. Um, I was at this place of crisis and I just kept calling out and calling out. And so I remember walking into my study and it was one of those times where, um, you know, I just opened the Bible. I didn't know where to, I just opened it and I opened it to Isaiah 61. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach, um, bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. And so uh, I remembered Isaiah 61 also. Uh, and in that same prayer session, um, I then remember I said to you, um, you know, is this something that I'm doing on my own, God? Is this just me being overly zealous or are you really, you know, sending me yourself? And so I just literally flipped the pages and it lands on John 20, 21. And that says, now, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, right? And and so I remember that, and as if I kind of felt like um, Abraham when he was talking to God about uh, whether he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and they're having this conversation back and forth. So, um, you know, I'm I'm crying out to the Lord, and He's answering me in the Scripture plainly. Um, and so um, the last thing I'm like, you know, all right. So, so where, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? And he takes me to Mark 16, 15. That's the next place in the Bible. I just turned Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's like in that moment, he took his word and spoke to me in no uncertain terms, directing my path, giving me clarity of purpose for my life. And so somewhat like Krista, it's like when that day came, I haven't, I haven't looked back. I haven't looked back. It's like, there were still plenty of things I had to do to, to shut down my operation, but um, he gave such clear purpose through his word. And so like the words in that book of the Bible, especially these ones I referenced on these stones, um, those are not just words. Those aren't idle words. Those are indeed what's become my life. Amen. So uh, let me ask you this. This portion of Deuteronomy is getting ready to take us to Joshua, um, where the Israelites are going to go in and um, possess the land of promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's really a time of transition. Now, we've seen the Israelites really in transition seemingly the whole time, like from Exodus uh, on, they seem to be in this transition phase where they're moving towards uh, the promised land. So um, I think Chris and I have kind of already um, explained this, this in some of the comments we just made, but I wanted you to 
recall a time of transition in your life where you know God was with you? I um, had to get used to transition as God transitioned me in because, Bernie, you know my story that I, I suffer from multiple sclerosis. And I have other, a lot of other little health issues that are going on. But here in the last few weeks, I've seen God move some things in my life um, concerning my, my health. And at one point, I couldn't write because I had no feelings in my hand. And um, I've been writing. I've been taking a lot of notes because I'm writing and I can read my own handwriting now. Um, I've had um, where I couldn't walk. Um, without, I still have to use my walker, but I was not able to move uh, my legs. My whole right side is just, just so weak. I can't move it, but I've been seeing in the last few weeks where that's changing. I'm not feeling any pain anymore. So I'm just trans, I, I think this is a transition because I was so used to hobbling and feeling the pain and couldn't stand, couldn't do this, couldn't write. And it, it and the depression comes with the, along with the, with uh, multiple sclerosis and the medications that I'm on and everything else. And it kind of like causes like a domino effect in your health. But I've just been noticing that um, things are changing. Things are changing for the better. And I had just got a diet, talked to my neurologist about two weeks ago. Um, I had did an MRI. And they didn't find anything new on my brain or my or, or my spine, which is good. Um, and he said, I still have a choice if I want to get back on medication or not. I still haven't decided whether I'm going to do that or not or if God will, what God, whatever God wants me to do. Um, but I'm just feeling, not feeling any pain anywhere. And that is like, it's, it almost it was almost weird for a minute. I'm like, wait a minute, something's going to be hurting, but it's not. So I think God is is moving me in another direction because I remember I cried out, like uh, I just cried and I just broke down. I said, Lord, I just want to walk. I just want to be able to walk. And now I'm able to start moving a little bit more and I just have to trust him in each step that I take. Um, so um, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. And, and uh, I'm, I'm thanking God for this, these passages, because it does make you want to remember and go back to where God has brought you from. And so, um, and I'm just looking at this because it wasn't that long ago that I was just in pain, whether I was standing or whether I was sitting or whether I was laying. But now I am, things are starting to, to, to change, shifting a little bit. So I am just grateful. I'm just so grateful. Praise the Lord. Bernie, Praise I, the Lord indeed. Lord. Yeah. I just want to say, um, I really appreciate how you pointed out um, some of the things you did tonight in Deuteronomy, especially with regard to the snake, which, you know, we, I personally have understood that that was the symbolism and reference to the cross for us to see, but how you took us through the journey of the things that followed that, which I don't think I've, I had seen that before. Um, and so that was that was pretty amazing because again, isn't his word alive and living? And there's regardless of how many times we've read it, there's more to see and more to learn and more to see of Jesus in every aspect of these things we read. And sometimes we we might gloss right past them. And then when you when you really come back and the Holy Spirit has shown something to one of our brothers or sisters, 
you know, we're able to learn through the body as we come together like this and fellowship over the word. So I really appreciate how you took us through that this evening. I wanted to also point out one of the scriptures in a place where you were at in Deuteronomy 29, verse 14. I think this is important just in closing. It says, but you are not the only ones with whom I am making this covenant with its curses. I'm making this covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of the Lord our God and also with the future generations who are not standing here today. And I just think that's amazing because we see ourselves even put into that position in this Old Testament right here. It's speaking of you and I who were being grafted into because we're adopted into Israel um, when we when we come to our into this salvation, we're coming into the family of God as an adopted heir, like a natural born citizen, but we're still adopted. And this is being spoken of here of us. And so I just think it's amazing, you know, how it is, all of this is so relevant for us to understand, because as we were talking about even last week, God is the same. And like what you pointed out is so key that this intimacy with God is really how we're able to unlock um, the what it takes in the spirit to be obedient because the love will come through getting to know him because he's good. He is good. But it says Old Testament and New Testament, notice the severity and the goodness of God. And it's like, we've got to love both sides of that. It's like your, your own natural parents. Notice that sometimes you can get them pretty angry. But other times you can see that they really love you and they're going to, you know, go to the ends of the earth to help you when they can and, and what have you. So it's like we see in all of that, it is good. So the intimacy, I think that, you know, it was just really uh, instrumental for me tonight to even hear that, you know, just as we're among those who maybe are not being obedient or not in the intimate walk that maybe that's some of the conversation that needs to come. Maybe that's the ambassador of truth we need to be, where we begin to share our own testimonies of intimacy with God, which would make them want what you have, not just hearing about the instructions all the time or not just hearing all of the, the, the stuff that we know, but our personal thing, because isn't that how we are able to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Thanks, Krista. That's awesome. Chantel, I see your hand up. That's not yes, a hand. I wanted hand. to. I'm so excited when I heard Connie speak, Connie, if you're there. But first, I, I didn't want to go up. Pastor Shira wrote in the comments, I didn't want to just go over, but she wrote, The righteous shall live by faith, Romans 1 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I'm sorry, I'm so overwhelmed. Jesus is amazing. But to Connie, the Lord knows that I pray for each and every one of you by name. And when Connie first told her testimony, I have been praying for her and for the Lord to heal her. And just hearing tonight that the Lord hears our prayers and it pleases him that we love one another and we don't even know one another. But 
that we pray for each other and carry each other's burdens. So I'm just so grateful to hear what Connie said and that I did pray and all glory to God. I just think it's beautiful that Jesus listens to our prayers and that we have the body of Christ. And I'm just so moved. And I'm grateful that Connie is, is healing. That's all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Chantel. It's interesting. When, when Connie was talking and giving that testimony, I was looking at your name and I was going to say, Chantel, would you pray for Connie? Like I just, I, I felt that was what, but I think what the Lord was saying is Chantel has been praying for Connie. Yes, I have. Hallelujah. Wow. Every time, every, every day, actually, since she first wow. told, I know what pain is, but I'm so grateful that he is healing her and she's able to walk again. I'm so grateful. I can't believe he hears our prayers. I know he does. Hallelujah. But when you see it, it's just so beautiful. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, thank Chantel. Chantel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thank you. Oh, glory to God. I'm so grateful, Connie. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Krista, thank you for the opportunity tonight. Give God thanks for you and uh, Sylvia and, um, of course, Jed. I think Jed is probably sleeping right now over in uh, Europe. Um, and so uh, I just give God thanks for our team and for each of you uh, tonight. So thanks for being being with us. And um, Krista, go ahead if you want to close this out. Yes, yes. And thanks to everyone who's been on that you continue to come faithfully and um, you know, the Lord does work through each and every one of us, all of these comments and, and participation. It's so important. Um, and again, we do want to invite everybody to Wednesday prayer. There's four opportunities to pray together. Uh, if you're available to come, you can come in from the homepage, just click on the prayer, um, button and you'll be able to join us. But father, we just, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the authenticity. We thank you, father, for the courage to just share testimonies, Lord, um, and, and to be true witnesses, Lord, I thank you for your precious presence with us, Lord. We thank you for who we are in you. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you that you are strengthening us by your word. Lord, your word is refining us. Your word is um, bringing us correction. Your word is doing a work of sanctification within us, Lord. It is your word that truly is our very life. We love your word, Lord. We love your word and we ask you to use your word to search our hearts, Lord. Search us out, Father, by this word that we're reading, Father, that as we hide it in our hearts, that it would cause us to not sin against you, Father. Out of this love for you, Father, out of, just as we've been speaking tonight, Lord, this intimacy in our walk with you, Lord, as we become to know what you love and what you hate, and how good you have been to us as we remember what you've done for us, the sacrifice that you made, Lord, that you took the sins of humanity upon yourself, that you became the curse for us. You took our place, Lord. That is not a light thing that you did. It's not a common thing that you did, Lord. 
And so we thank you and we honor you. And we long, Father, we long to be pleasing to you. And so I just pray, Father, that you would cause us, Lord, um, by the power of your Holy Spirit within us, to be obedient to your word, to take this word seriously, to allow it to transform us, Lord. And Father, we thank you for your mercies that is new every morning. We thank you that you've given us all that we need as it pertains to life and godliness in you, in you and you alone. Lord, I pray that as every person that's been on this call leaves, that they leave with your blessing and your favor, Lord, and your protection over their home, over their families. And Father, that you would bring us all back safely and in peace as we leave tonight in peace and in joy, Father, because we have been in your presence and we have been with one another. And what a precious time of fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our midst. And glory and honor be to our King, our Lord, Jesus Christ. And Father, we do continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray, Lord, that you would stir us up in our hearts, Lord, to know what's on your heart. Draw us in to pray, to cooperate with you, Lord, again, by the power of your Holy Spirit within us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.